0: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right. Hello. It's once again the Saturday DFS special podcast. Matt Harmon from Yahoo here. That's TJ Hernandez from 444. TJ, what's going on, buddy? How was your Thanksgiving, your week 12? It's week 13, man. I, I'm, I'm going like... Back and forth between. I know I just said like a hundred different things. That's terrible podcasting. Who, who cares? I know. Like it, it, it's week thirteen, yeah, which feels like oh we're we're pretty far into this thing, but there's still six games left, and it's like, geez. Yeah,
1: man. there's 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 six games left. We still have um we have Saturday slates coming up, and this is DFS, so I mean we're barely at the halfway point. We go through through it's Super true. Bowl, but we go through Super Bowl, baby. So um we still got plenty of money to make this season.
0: Yeah, but what I care most about when I say like, oh god, there's six weeks left, and it, I guess this year it feels less that way than ever. And I wrote a piece about this actually for the yes. website this week about how there's like so much parity. Usually at this time of the year, I'm like, man, there's some teams. That it's just it's time to get them off my TV. It's yes. time to stop like thinking about them. Pre Brady, it was always the Bucks. It was always like I don't need to think about the Bucks. Like the James, <laughs> yeah. that's enough of that. But this year, actually, realistically. Some of those teams I feel that way about still are like in contention because yeah. of the the, the structured, crunched nature of everybody's record right now.
1: Yeah, last week they were showing lots of uh, four win teams on the old uh, on the graphics with the the playoff pictures. You saw lots of fours in that win column.
0: I don't need to see the Giants on it. Gi- giants, <laughs> by the way, Giants are the no- that I, have, I take it back about the Bucks. That was rude. I apologize to Chris Godwin and Jameis Winston from those uh, era those era teams, but the giants are always number one on the list of, I would love to stop thinking about them. Like just pretending they don't exist from about week uh, 11 to week, previously 17 this year 18 but anyways that's enough of my personal gripes and agendas let's get to the business at hand here tj week 13 daily fantasy any grand view takes you want to get off here before we get rolling i know this is another week with a lot of value running backs that we will be discussing later on
1: yeah i, I have a couple I'll let you pick i we, we can go like with a, a slate specific take or we can go with a uh A theory that I I haven't completely fleshed out yet and and might uh, end up being worth nothing, but I, I think might have some legs. Which one do you want to hear about?
0: Obviously, I want to hear the one that might have no legs. That's yeah. Let's, let's, let's go with that one. Yeah, Forget I don't care, slate specific. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um. I. I. I th- I've been looking a lot the past couple of weeks at um things like pace and and plays per game, and I. I think there might be something to people using um this stat incorrectly. I, I think a lot mm-hmm. of times when people are looking at that, they're thinking they want. Two fast paced teams or two teams that run a lot of plays. What I have found is that there's typically an inverse relationship uh, between teams when it comes to plays run. And that's because we have a finite amount of time for these plays to be run. So a lot of times, what we see is when a team does run a lot of plays, the opponent doesn't run a lot of plays. And that should make sense. There's only so many plays that could be run. Now, we do want to target those teams that run a lot of plays because when teams do run, like at least the the average is about sixty four, sixty-five plays per game. When teams get up to seventy two, which is one standard deviation above that average, we do see them average about twenty seven points per game. Um that is very important. But I, I think where we kind of miss the mark is a lot of times when we see the teams hit that 72-play mark, in, and we're talking about non-overtime games here, obviously, because overtime adds more, their opponent only averages about 55 plays per game, which balances out about one standard de- deviation below. So the takeaway from that is we can... Actually, be targeting some of these teams that run a lot of plays, even if their opponent doesn't run a lot of plays, because that actually doesn't fit that like cannibalistic nature where the other offense is going to be taking away plays from that high-powered offense. If they're playing like this slow team that run it a- doesn't run a lot of plays, that team probably isn't very efficient. And that high-powered yeah. offense is going to have a lot more opportunities. And when we see where most of the plays come from, a lot of times it's the opponent that is typically what we would call slow. So the the worry about a slow team slowing down a fast-paced team, I think um, that, that might be a little ill-informed. I think these pl- teams that run a lot of plays or, or fast-paced teams, they're typically not going to get slowed down by a slow or bad offense. It'll happen sometimes, but when we see two teams that run a ton of plays— there can be a little bit of cannibalism. We've seen it. We saw it with the Cowboys and the Chiefs a couple weeks ago. We saw earlier in the season with the Cowboys and Chargers. So I just think it's it's an interesting thing to kind of chew on as we go down this last stretch of the season and maybe see if we could find some value from these games, like the Ravens playing against the Steelers, where the Ravens run a ton of plays and the Steelers might not. So games like that, I think, can be really interesting and, and ones that people might be a little nervous about.
0: A couple of examples, I think, or at least to try to put this into context for for folks out there. Number one, you look at just last Monday night. I mean, the Seahawks are a team that runs the fewest plays in the NFL. Yep. I'm pretty sure that they have. I still saw Pat Thorman from Established to Run tweet this. Mm-hmm. They've run like 18 fewer plays per game than their opponents, which is mm-hmm. disgusting. Yeah. By the way, uh, Washington's a team that, you know, right now they're kind of like 22nd in terms of plays run. But they do play at a pretty decent clip like in terms of seconds per play they've historically under Scott Turner even back to the when he took over for the Panthers has been a rather fast play caller so like they did not get dragged down necessarily exactly. because of the Washington- because of the way Seattle played a couple other examples like Pittsburgh's one that i feel like drags teams down into the mud a little bit with them makes makes like t- teams play that type of game but then you saw an offense like the Chargers that when they get their act together can be explosive that was the time where like they came out of their show a little bit. And I do love the inverse of that. Like you said, these teams that we think like, oh, man, they run a lot of plays, they run a lot of plays. Well, you know, so, there's got to be a winner and a loser. And there's yeah. some variance there. Sometimes I yeah. guess it could just turn into that. Like, I feel like we're all still chasing that 2018 Chiefs-Rams <laughs> Chiefs-Ram- yeah, game. You absolutely. know, like we're yep. all still chasing that, like seeing, s- seeing that again. Yeah. But sometimes it can be the opposite of that, where it's just like, okay, somebody's got to win this game. And sometimes they win it convincingly enough that the other team just gets kind of stuck there.
1: Yeah, and th- there's obviously always going to be exceptions, and there's uh, there's not going to be a hard and fast rule. But I just thought it was I, I just thought it was something interesting to note. I was kind of digging into some some random numbers over the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, I remember watching that Chiefs Rams game and being like, "This is the future of football." And now here I'm sitting here in 2021. I'm like, you know what? It really might make sense if the Chiefs uh, might establish the run a little bit. <laughs> that
1: that that was that was the pinnacle of Twitter. Twitter's only got worse since that game. You know what? You might be right.
0: When you might be right about that. <laughs> that's the last time. That was the last time we all came together as one. That was the only time we, yeah. E- even like hardcore football guys, like we're all right. We can enjoy that. So yeah. Um. Jeez, man. What a shame. Uh. R. I. P. The good days of Twitter. Uh. Let's move on here to our plays this mm-hmm. week. I loved that segment, though. By the way, that's a good discussion. Something to think about. Chew on for people going forward. Let's talk quarterbacks. I mentioned the uh, Chargers. Obviously, a couple weeks ago, had that offensive explosion. You mentioned also it kind of we can, well right quarterback in a second. Um, Justin Herbert, thirty-four bucks is your pick uh, here as your high-price guy.
1: Yeah, this is one of those games where, where people are are hoping it does um, go back and forth on both sides. Uh, both of these teams have been really up in pass rate, especially over the second half of the season. Chargers have kind of been there all year, but especially since week eight, top five in, in neutral passing rate and red zone passing rate, uh, as well as top five in passing rate over expectations. So basically whatever situation you put them in, they're throwing more than expected in that span since week eight. Herbert is the quarterback one in terms of points per game. And only one team has allowed more 300-yard passers than the Bengals. So with a uh, point total over 50 points and a spread of just three, I like the Chargers to um, go in there and and throw uh, pretty much at will against Cincinnati. And and maybe, just maybe, we get um, a, a small glimmer of what we saw from Mike Williams early in the season.
0: Mm, that would be nice. That would be a nice thing to happen. Uh, no, I like this game a lot from a fantasy angle. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking more about it uh, as the show goes on. Lamar Jackson at 38. I think people yes. might be turned off by, um, you know, the Steelers defense is obviously up there, but the Steelers took 29th since uh week eight in rush EPA allowed. Um, obviously like that's not going to lead me to play Devonte Freeman. I'm not like, I cannot <laughs> believe dude, <laughs> how many questions we got on fantasy football live last week, about, like, Should I play Devonte Freeman? Should I put in like yeah, if you can help it, which I know, to be fair, some people out there cannot help it right now. OK, like, you know, we're legit, legit getting questions about like Rex Burkhead and Devonta Freeman. Like, what freaking year is this? But yeah, <laughs> I think that uh, if you could anyways, point being here, I'm not not uh, going to use that to juice up the Ravens running back expectations. But I am going to be using it to juice up Lamar Jackson's expectations. Uh, TJ Watt on the covid list. I don't know if I've, I've you've seen if he's you know what his status might be, whatever. But there's that, um, you know. I also just like the Ravens offense to rebound here in this spot. And I I agree with you that I think this game could actually be a little more high scoring um, than the books think right now. We'll see um, overall how it plays out. But, you know, the Ravens have played offense for the most part the way we like. They've obviously just been a little cold lately with Lamar sick and then, you know, this weird four interception game. But still want to be buying in on this offense. And I'm feeling pretty comfortable clicking him even at a high salary here.
1: Yeah, he uh, the the Ravens are the league leader in in plays per game, like uh, the stat we talked about up top. And and going back to to your article that that you wrote, um, I did read that and I thought it was wow, fantastic. Thanks. And I, I think it I think it actually applies to the situation in general. You, you mentioned people are, are are kind of might be fading Lamar here. I think we've been very spoiled with outliers especially at the quarterback position of late. We've had we've had we had the Lamar Nuclear season, the Mahomes Nuclear season. The the Josh Allen nuclear season, Tom Brady mixed in there all those seasons. Those are outliers for a reason. Even though we've had a lot of examples of those, those aren't the norm. We shouldn't be surprised when we have yeah. seasons like we do, where Lamar and and Josh and Mahomes have some down games. That's normal for a quarterback. So when it happens to all of them at the same time, we shouldn't necessarily be surprised. We're just really bad at understanding sample sizes and variance and randomness. I mean. Listen, Lamar has had a couple bad games in a row, but those two bad games preceded by 30-point games a couple weeks before that 30-point game. Like, his ceiling is still phenomenal here. So I still think, even like you pointed out, we're seeing like parody and fantasy i still think the lamars the mahomes and the and the josh allens and and the tom i think they're still a a a league above the field we just haven't seen them putting up four touchdowns every single week so we think oh you know this is a a weird season these guys are still really good and these are still the players i want to be targeting so i actually love baltimore in this spot because Mm. of that And, and we don't have like josh allen and mahomes on this slate
0: Right, I think that's the key thing too, and like Kyler up there too. I'm a, I'm a little tempted, but I'd rather give him a week. Like I'd rather. Yeah, have, and by the way, like he, Kyler could have been that year, this that game, or that quarterback this year that just red hot all the way through. But then his last game is probably his worst game of the season, and then he gets hurt. So we haven't seen him for a while. So I think like it's just, I totally agree. Like we really could spend uh like a lot of time. Maybe at the end of the year, we should all think about doing this, like some sort of like collective reckoning with the way things have gone this year and (laughs) like how this year has just been so out of expectation like even in the mvp race tj because we're talking about quarterbacks like there's no quarterback where you're like yep dead-on favorite whereas yeah. like you know in previous years it kind of feels like oh i'm i'm centered on like lamar i'm centered on patrick holmes yeah. um last year even although he's not the same fantasy uh, guy that used to be like i'm centered on aaron Rodgers at this point like there just yeah. hasn't been that type of quarterback performance this year and, and it, you're right it brings it back to just like some of these guys are gonna have bad weeks and like bad stretches even lamar's had bad stretches patrick holmes had bad stretches josh allen hasn't really had bad stretches he's had like bad games pocketed yeah. in there so yeah. there's variants all right like even with the best quarterbacks in the game like we didn't I feel like at least I felt this way that we had cracked the code of fantasy quarterbacks like and you just pay up for these guys like Lamar uh Josh Allen Patrick Mahomes that combine elite passing and mm-hmm. elite rushing but shoot it just it's not that easy it's not to, we, yeah. it's not we can't solve this game it's not gonna happen
1: yeah, not not anytime soon. And, and like you said, at the end of the season, when all is said and done, if we look at the leaders and, and points per game, it's going to be pretty damn close to those ADPs from August.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you there. I think that makes a ton of sense. Let's talk this. Uh, our let's just combine our two value yeah. quarterbacks together because sure. they're from the same game. You've got Taylor Heineke, the ODU's finest, at twenty six bucks. I've got Derek Carr, thirty one. I do think this should be a really interesting game for fantasy.
1: This is a really interesting game for fantasy, especially for DFS, because we have so many values in this game um, and so many players that are going to have just tremendous rostered rates. So throughout the podcast, I actually didn't mention any of the other pass catchers just because I figured with with Carr and and Heineke both on our list, it would just kind of encompass all of that. This is the smallest spread uh, of the games with uh, with an over-under of at least 50, just two points in favor of the Raiders. Both defenses, bottom 10 and schedule-adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. And then on the Washington side, you have very easy stacking options if you are going to play Heineke in tournaments. Yeah. With Logan Thomas returning last week, we saw him and Terry McLaurin combined for 40% of targets and 80% of air yards. And then with J.D. McKissick uh, likely out, you can throw DeAndre Carter in there. He had 15% of targets targets. targets at 25% of air yards last week. Raiders have allowed 20 or more Yahoo fantasy points to four of the last six quarterbacks that they have faced.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're just from a defensive perspective so much here, and I think that Washington, to their credit, has kind of started to figure out their secondary. I mean, we know that their pass rush guys have either been injured or not playing up to standard basically all year. Um, but their secondary, they started to like move Landon Tom or excuse me, Landon Tomlin, Landon Collins down into the box a little bit. You know, they've they've started to move him away from those, which I don't know why the hell they were ever doing that, anyways. It's a whole other discussion. But um, they've moved Landon uh, Collins down to the box a little bit. They've used more of those three safety looks, but that's not really a, a concern for the Raiders, anyways. They're not they're Deshaun Jackson's like kind of hit or miss right now for the whole injury report thing. He's on, a, he's got a calf situation. They might not like, I don't think he's having the same game that he did against the Cowboys. Right. Probably not. Even though this is a revenge game for Deshaun Jackson, but they're not vertical passing game. Like I don't think the fact, like they're not going to sting Washington in the ways the teams have been stinging them all year.
1: Yeah, I mean especially with um, especially with with Waller out I think it could be a lot of um of tight end a lot to tomorrow um who isn't going to stretch the field and a lot of of Hunter Renfro so I mean they're going to be able to move the ball against them um, but I mean, even like Deshaun's touchdown, that wasn't like on a bomb that was on a crossing route that it got loose on. So, I mean, he, of course he could, he did have one deep catch and, and Brian Edwards and, and Zay Jones will run one will will run long, um, routes, but they, they really actually haven't hit on a lot of those long no, routes yeah. since, since rugs got uh excuse from the team. So even though those guys are running them, uh, they haven't been as successful on them recently.
0: Yeah, I think that makes sense. I just doubt that Jackson will play that full complement of snaps. Like, we right. kind of saw him play a lot more, I think, than expected against the Cowboys. But, yeah, we'll see uh, what his situation is. Let's move to running backs, and we'll mm-hmm. start with Elijah Mitchell, 27 bucks. TJ, I know we all usually tilt the uh, 49ers backfield as being like a rotation, yeah, but they're not really not, rotating. It's not run. not not when Elijah Mitchell plays. Like, there's no rotation here. Yeah, the the
1: only rotation really was Debo vulturing um, end zone uh, opportunities from Mitchell. And Debo's out this week, so that's probably not going to happen with any of the other players on the 49ers. No. Uh, Mitchell, 27-plus uh, touches in two of his last three games facing a Seattle defense that uh, is... The worst or one of the worst against the run uh, this year, the 31st (laughs) when adjusted for strength of schedule. Six running backs have exceeded 20 Yahoo points against Seattle. Nine have went over 15 points. There have been 55 instances this year of a team giving their running backs 35 or more combined touches. Five of those have come against Seattle. So... Pretty much 10% of those 35-plus touch games against one team. Washington gave their running backs 48 touches against Seattle last week. The only two times a team has given their running backs 40 touches have both come against Seattle. San Francisco tied for the highest neutral run rate. Basically, run against Seattle, do it a lot, and teams have done that, and Seattle hasn't been able to
0: stop it. Seattle, man. Yikes. They signed Adrian Peterson, though, so they're in win-now mode.
1: Yeah, can he throw? (laughs)
0: <laughs> By the way, you joked about um, the Chiefs-Rams game in 2018 being the last time Twitter was united. Uh, it was almost this morning when Ian Rappke, you <laughs> okay. know, listen, no no shade to Rapport. You. you just got to – sometimes you're just sending out a tweet um, and you're Shut just saying up. what the coach has said. No shade to him on this. But he sent a tweet out about, uh, you know, this you know, this is a, a sign that the Seahawks are still in win-now mode signing Adrian Peterson. I opened Oof. my Twitter timeline uh, and this morning and I'm like, I feel like everybody is quote tweeting that, making fun of the Seahawks. Which, yeah, yeah.
1: that's that's their big, uh, that's their big push to uh, to <sighs> end the to end the season undefeated and get the last wild card spot. <sighs> My God, what a joke!
0: Uh, all right, let's talk. Uh, before we'll bunch mine together after this because they're from the same yes. game. So let's just talk about your second one, Leonard okay. Fournette. <laughs> Leonard Fournette, by the way, uh, similar receiving stats to Austin Eckler.
1: Yeah. Of late um,
0: <laughs> the last few yeah, weeks.
1: Yeah, you with, with, you, with your with your flex play, you really hoarded all the great values that running back this week. But it is a fantastic <laughs> it is it is a fantastic value running back week and you really don't hey, have sign to. And signing like, the
0: dock uh, early, okay.
1: I know, Which I picks know. in early. Yes, That's on yes, you, buddy. <laughs> I know. I am I am always the last. But you don't have to go above Mitchell at twenty seven this week. Uh Fournette at, at twenty five is is very you can fit him into pretty much any lineup with whatever running back duo or even trio that you you decide to go with if you flex a running back. Uh, As you mentioned, that target share for Leonard Fournette, the highest target share among running backs over the last month. Uh, In that span, seventh in uh, running back touch share, uh, just under 75% of Tampa Bay's running back touches. Atlanta allows the fourth most schedule adjusted points to the position. Uh, Tampa Bay is a huge favorite. Uh, With all of that workload that, that Fournette has been getting lately, the second most high value touches in a game that looks at uh targets plus touches near the goal line he leads uh, the league in high value touches per game and second in the league in rushes inside the 10yard line so this is not chasing the four touchdown game from last week the usage is there the four touchdown game was actually a, a something that that was normalizing his usage that he's been seeing all season so now he's actually like kind of where we should expect his fantasy points to be based on the workload he was getting and that should continue against the Falcons
0: yeah, Fournette's been unbelievable, man. And like I, I, I think he's the better play straight up than most of the guys in the passing game this week. But I know you're going to talk about that later on, so I won't, I won't spoil that mm-hmm. uh, at all too much. <laughs> Let's move into the two guys from the Vikings Detroit game. Alexander Madison, eighteen bucks. We know Dalvin Cook is out. Jamal Williams, 16 bucks. DeAndre Swift, not going to play either. Madison, 26 carries, six catches in his start against the aforementioned Seahawks for mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook. 25 carries, seven targets, seven catches against these same Detroit Lions. So, like, listen... There was that one time against the Falcons when Dalvin Cook sat and Madison burned us a couple of years ago. Yeah. Forget it. For the most part this year, it's just been set it and forget it. Madison's a fantasy starter, like top 5 guy when Dalvin Cook uh, is not in there. We love this Vikings offense. We've talked about it on the show. It's so highly concentrated. We love that. Madison I think is is like a top 5 ranked player potentially at the position in redraft leagues. But TJ, I mean Jamal Williams Really good play as well this week, too. You know, I, I don't know if you'd like to speak on, like, I mean, the two, two buck difference. Like, is that really what's is does that make Williams that much more valuable? I don't know, but I think Williams is a guy in redraft leagues you'd consider like potentially playing over some established names just because. You know, he's going to get most of the workload, we think. 20 touches last week when Swift got hurt against the Bears. They've shown a willingness to use him as a receiver before, too. And uh, the Vikings, 32nd in rush EPA allowed since week eight. So uh, both these backs, I think, are core plays this week.
1: Yeah. And Detroit hasn't had a healthy offensive line much this year. Um, Now they do. And and the two times they did, their running backs went over 100 yards, which you wouldn't expect from this offense. And and Dan Campbell came out and said, like, if Swift isn't playing, Williams is getting the most of the work. Like the other guys, they'll spell him a couple snaps, but he's not playing like he's not playing it close to the vest. He said Jamal's getting most of the work. I mean, these two guys are two of the best values on the slate by a huge margin. You're getting a uh, workload, huge workload running back sub $20. I think really the only question is in tournaments, how are you going to play them? I, I, yeah. I think they're fine playing together just because they are uh, their their salaries are so low. Probably the, the way I would approach that is they, they are so cheap that I don't think fading Um, both of them is wise. I think the move is probably using them separate from each other with some kind of mini correlation with either one pass catcher on their team or an opposing pass catcher, because that can help bring down the rostered rate of that team. And you add some upside, like if that, if that game is hitting and the offenses are hitting, uh, hopefully you get some low rostered rate, passing touchdown equity out of that. So I really like this game for mini stacks with these running backs.
0: Yeah, that makes some sense. Like Alexander Madison and TJ Hawkinson. I mean, yeah, I guess exactly. Like, no, no, you know, that's the-
1: exactly I actually um, wrote about Hawkinson in, um, in the article I've coming uh, came out. If you're listening to this today uh, for the um, baller values.
0: There we go. And, like, somebody in that Lions receiver core is going to have a nice game. Josh Reynolds, Josh uh, Reynolds. you know, Khalif Raymond. Thanksgiving,
1: Thanksgiving hero Josh Reynolds.
0: <laughs> Thanksgiving hero. I'm on Ross St. Brown. I mean, maybe it's probably Josh Reynolds again, but it could be either of those boys, too, like, because it's just, that Vikings defense is bad at this point. So, um, yeah, I think Madison is the significantly better play um, this week. And if you, by the way, and this is just something I was going to ask you anyways, if you use both, like, yeah, I know you said you really don't have to go higher than Mitchell at 27, but if you wanted to get up to Jonathan Taylor, if you wanted to get up to Austin Eckler, do you think that makes like any sense using one of those guys as your flex to kind of, you know, reach you know, does it make sense? Like cuz m- I would think most people will probably not get up to 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 either of those guys.
1: Yeah, I w- I was actually going to talk about the Jonathan Taylor situation a little bit later. I think it makes a ton of sense because I think most people are going to see these value running backs that we've discussed and and one that we have coming up and think, oh, now I can get to these high salary quarterbacks, these high salary wide receivers, these explosive passing games. And that's where I'm going to allocate my salary. And people are going to be like, if I already have my running backs, what do I need to include a a Jonathan Taylor for? So he's actually one of the players that from a contrarian standpoint, I think it actually makes a lot of sense to pay up for. So I, I do like that.
0: You know, you brought up uh, receivers, man. I'm like not, I don't know. Cooper Cup at 38. I think we're going to need his, his salary is going to have to come down a little bit before I get back in the Cooper Cup business. We,
1: we, I think you have some more thoughts on the Rams later. So I, I have thoughts on that and we'll talk about it then.
0: Oh yeah, thank you for not like letting me spoil my entire, <laughs> entire section later on. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's see, this is why uh, this is not this is a joint operation. This is not me hosting. This is a joint operation here between TJ and I. All right, let's move to wide receivers. Uh, Thanksgiving heroes, you said Josh Reynolds, Darnell Mooney was kind of a little Thanksgiving hero. Uh, let's talk mm-hmm. about him.
1: Yeah, I um, I know I'm supposed to go one expensive, one cheap, but there's just two guys that uh, I just had. I, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, avoid Mooney down at 17 bucks against Arizona as seven and a half point underdogs in a game where uh, Chicago, if that. Uh, Point spread is indicative of how the game should go. They should be in a relatively heavy passing game flow. 31% of uh, the Bears targets over Mooney's last four games. He's second in weighted opportunity rating only to Tyreek Hill since week eight. Weighted opportunity just basically takes air yards and target share um, and weights those together to evaluate a player's opportunity. And he's been very efficient with those looks, despite I actually wrote in my notes, shut up catch rate. He's still efficient with a low catch rate, 120 yards in his last two games, because he doesn't need to connect on a lot of catches to be efficient. He runs uh, routes that when they hit, they're going to be very high efficiency. um, And he has been hitting on those. Allen Robinson was a did not practice uh, again as we record this on Thursday. Justin Fields is still limited, so actually, I, I for the passing upside of this offense and and Justin Fields not pulling it down, I think I I prefer Dalton a little bit more for Mooney's upside. But even even going back a couple weeks to where Justin Fields started the game and didn't finish, five of his eleven targets still went Mooney's way. So no matter who's in there, uh, they're really looking for Mooney.
0: Yeah, uh he's got he's number 2 in terms of target share since week 8. Like he's just been on fire is Darnell Mooney. It's it's crazy to see. Um Deonte Johnson also up there in terms mm-hmm. of target share, uh 39% of his team's air yards uh as well. The guy is just like he's so good. Um yeah. and he's 25 dollars TJ against a team in Baltimore that uh the Browns tried to like, go ahead and pass on them. The Browns just can't pass the ball. Uh yeah. like they're but everybody else has been hitting explosive plays on the Ravens. They've been bottom 3 in explosive play rate, uh, passing play rate allowed all season long. Johnson I think is a full field player. Look, like nobody wants to play many Steelers after uh what we saw last week, understandably so. Yikes, that was a tough scene. But um <laughs>
1: we didn't even even mention that when you brought up when you brought up Lamar like we we actually talked about Burrow last week and they just boat raced the the Steelers and I mean Mixon got the touchdowns but Burrow could easily put up a 40 spot on them himself
0: yeah that's true that's true they were carving them up every which way I mean that is a The Steelers, bad vibes, bad vibes around the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. But um, still think I will play Deontay Johnson here, just getting so much volume. Um, This is a good matchup. Like I said, I think the game could be a little more high-scoring. Like, again, $25, like, there are players ahead of him, you know, DK Metcalf at 26. Oh, God. Like, you know, I'm, I'm much more excited about Deontay Johnson at his salary than some of these other guys.
1: Yeah, and I, I actually also in my my baller write up this week uh, did a short blurb on this game for for kind of the reasons you mentioned. Uh, the the Pittsburgh defense can obviously is very vulnerable, however way you want to attack them. But uh, Baltimore, as we mentioned when we we're ta- when we were talking about Lamar, they run a ton of plays, but they're also very vulnerable against the pass. So Deontay and Claypool they could get there pretty quick against the secondary if if Ben Roethlisberger can like not under throw one ball then they could really hit some splash <laughs> plays. but but Deont- Deontay doesn't need that like Chase does Deontay is going to get the volume and and uh they're they're going to have a lot of opportunity here and, and they're probably going to have to throw a lot so I do like this game a lot and, and I think it's one that sets up uh to attack a lot of ways actually
0: van jefferson at 14 i know we were going to talk the rams later he's not really in the group that i'm going to discuss later so uh let's go with van at 14
1: yeah he, he's he's so affordable down at 14 and, and people are going to be looking to stack this game because the rams are the only team besides the buccaneers with an implied point total of at least 30 points if we look at
0: very generous
1: yeah if we if we look at if we look at odell cooper cup uh Darryl henderson even matthew stafford they all might have higher roster rates than van jefferson so you're getting a player who only three wide receivers got targeted last week it was only cup Odell and van and they were all very close 10 10 and nine uh, van with the nine but he still actually led the team in air yards we're hoping Odell plays here which I think he's going to but he is dealing with a hip injury so that that could be a situation where you know Odell's active people still play him because he's active but the hip limits his production a little bit that's kind of the best scenario for for van shares um, because then you are you aren't going to get his rostered rate uh, steamed up where it would be really high if Odell's out uh, even though the the Jaguars don't have like glaring statistical weaknesses uh, against the past. They are last in completion percentage allowed on deep balls and bottom five in PPR or half PPR uh, points per target allowed on deep balls. That obviously plays right into Van Jefferson's skill set.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of um, juice there for Van Jefferson to hit in several different ways. Um, and we'll again talk about that game a little more later. Brandon Ayuk still sub twenty dollars, baby. Let's go. As soon as I started needling you for a receiver, for a receiver, for a
1: position that you spend all of your time on, that should have been our indication to start targeting that receiver, right? Like you, and, you and Tank Williams. <laughs> I say this
0: every single. I said this on NFL last week. Our, Tank, is, Tank has Tank has been refusing our. to even say Brandon Ayuk's name on Fantasy Football Live because he burned him one week, and basically ever since he started that bit. I have been playing him at like seventeen fourteen yeah. eleven dollars yeah. one
1: week i failed I fail your pain
0: tank and i'm number one in the con- in the f f l contest so like shout out to me for that one anyway start we can start a support group if he needs maybe don't 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 come at the king if you're if you're gonna come at the king don't miss uh anyways I know I butchered <laughs> the line from yeah, Omar there may he re- may he rest in peace or whatever uh and Brandon Ayuk, eighteen bucks against the Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks have problems all across the board. We talked about their bad run defense. I just want to also say this, by the way. You know, Brandon Ayuk has taken seven snaps out of the backfield his entire career like he's not about to do what Debo Samuel did because I think they're right. very different players right and frankly I don't think he needs to he's 11th in the NFL in receiving yards among wide receivers since week eight so he's already been coming on uh, on his own and then even the last three weeks he's 20 he has a 29 percent target share in this offense like the the receiving workload I'm not saying he's a more important player or better than Debo Samuel or any of those things that people you know want you to do it's not you're not allowed to like two receivers from. One Team. I don't know if you knew this this is oh, a legal yes. legal document that people make you sign I'm not saying any of that but like the receiving workload had already started to go more I way while uh, they're doing all this other stuff with Debo so I think he just is way too low priced at $18 and that's kind of just the long and short of it.
1: Yeah, especially especially with Debo out and this ties right into um my tight end play, George Kittle at, at twenty-three. The the thing that we were a little hesitant about these last few weeks, if if you were hesitant, is that Ayuk, Debo, and Kittle, um that's that's suddenly a lot of mouse defeat in that offense on an offense that uh really trends towards the running game. And then even last week, like especially with, with Kittle share, but this pertains to Ayuk as well. Mitchell saw a 20% target share last week. And obviously he's useful in the passing game, but I think that is an, a lot more of an anomaly when you see Kittle down at 7% target share. I think it, it yeah. looks a lot more like something like Kittle and Ayuk both being over 20% target share, uh, this week. And, and you said the Seattle, they, you can just kind of carve them up any which way you want. And even though Kittle is a unique tight end this week because even though he is the highest salary tight end on the slate, relative to the field, it's not that high. So don't just like look at Top and say he's the most expensive. He's only one more dollar than the next guy, and $23 overall is is pretty low for the tight end one on the slate.
0: Yeah, I can, I agree with that as well. And um, I do like Ayuk. I like Kittle as well. I think either of those guys or maybe even both could go off together because the reality is – the way that the 49ers run the ball and they stretch defenses out at, like uh, like horizontally with the run game, it just allows – like this is why Jimmy Garoppolo is fo- – when everybody's healthy and like all the boys are out there, this is why Jimmy can be pretty good at this offense because he's nobody is more content to just pick the middle of the field apart and the way the 49ers stretch you out horizontally with that play-action game, just boom, 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 Jimmy can just re- matriculate that thing down the middle. I think this is a huge George Kittle game. I think between the two guys – Probably, I know this is off brand, but I probably prefer Kittle. If like I'm just projecting straight up points, I think I project Kittle for more than Ayuk. But um, yeah, I like both guys this week, and the value is obviously there with Brandon Ayuk. Uh, Rob Gronkowski came through for me last week, buddy, and now he's back at 21 uh, bucks. I'm pretty sure that is lower than where he was at last week. Actually, yeah, I think I think, I think he was at like 24. Yes. He was 22 last week, and okay. so he's $1 cheaper here. But, I mean, still a great projection for Gronk. Uh, he's been productive, basically, whenever he's out there playing a full game. Not that jazzed up about, like, the the Bucks against the Falcons, just because I think this could be, like, a big Leonard Fournette game. But, you know, I think that's going to still leave things open for Gronk. And, frankly, like, if we're looking 20 bucks and above, beyond George Kittle, it's just like, yeah, I think Gronk is the only viable guy here.
1: And I think you want you want exposure to this offense in in some respect. And I mean, it's might have sounded crazy twelve weeks ago, but I mean, Gronk is the safest bet in the passing game right now. Like it's yeah. like Godwin and, and Evans have seen their usage kind of ping pong. Uh, Evans is 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 usually pretty touchdown dependent. Godwin usually isn't. Although last week was just one of his biggest does, but. Gronk, if he's on the
0: field for a full uh, snap allocation, it's eight targets or more. Exactly. The volume is so bankable. I do think, though, about the wide receivers. I feel like that was a matchup thing last week, and this was sure. why I was so into Gronk is just because, like, no, you know, we're ultimately like, oh, cover two. nobody. I don't know if I said this on the podcast last week. Like, you know, how do you pick apart cover two defenses? It's like, well, nobody knows better how to do it than Tom Brady. And it's just like throw to your tight end, throw your running back, all that yeah, stuff. So exactly. Yeah, I think that was what. So maybe we see Gronk come back and like God, I was a little tempted by Godwin this week, but uh, and I'm not totally out on Godwin, but uh, we'll talk more about that later on. Uh, Foster Moreau, you mentioned him earlier. Huge value at eleven dollars with Darren Waller. Doubtful right now.
1: Yeah, this one is just a, a injury replacement play near minimum salary. I mean, the, the thing to note about Moreau is that besides the running backs that we've mentioned, especially the ones you've mentioned, he'll probably be the most popular player on the slate. Uh, he could, the, the Raiders could be in for a really big passing volume game with Josh Jacobs, a surprise pop-up on the injury report. We're recording this Thursday. He showed up with uh with an ankle. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. If he doesn't play, uh, they, they really probably lean in to the passing game against this Washington defense. I think the question with, with Moreau is like, obviously he's the best value on the slate, but the question is do you want to how much or how do you want to play a tight end that's going to be in 25% of yeah. baller of baller lineups i think the answer to that is use him in lineups with Derek Carr and don't use him in lineups without Derek Carr if you're going to take on this high of a rostered rate you might as well do it in a spot where you want him to go off and get the upside of the entire offense and offset it with a Deshaun or a Brian Edwards or something like that I, I don't think I I just want to blindly play him in a, in a lineup where he has no correlation to anyone else in the lineup yeah. and I'm not getting like exponential benefits from that super high rostered rate so i think that's how i would approach
0: it i think that makes a lot of sense plus by the way tj when you play foster Moreau, darnell mooney and alexander madison like who are you spending your dfs dollars on right (laughs) you're gonna have like a hundred bucks left over or something yeah
1: (laughs) yeah Uh, that's why i think uh that's why I that's and that's why i mentioned the thing about the uh the jonathan taylor because i think people are going to like build those like you said and then all of a sudden they're like oh i guess i could afford whatever quarterback and wide receiver i want.
0: Yeah. Have fun with that. Um, my lesser valued tight end this week is Dallas Goddard at sixteen bucks. Here he's a twenty five point seven percent target share since week eight, and we've talked about this before. I think it's like just him and Devonte Smith. Uh, by the way, you know, I said like it's not happening with Jalen Rager. Poor Jalen Rager last week's Oof. game. Um, he's averaging seven yards in this span that I just mentioned by like seven yards per game in this yeah, span. And,
1: and the 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 dropsies were rough to say the least. Not great.
0: I legit kind of feel bad for him. I feel bad. I feel bad for him. Uh, but anyways, that's a topic for another day. He's n- unfortunately not good at football. That's just that's just <laughs> where we're at right now. Twenty five point seven percent target share for Dallas Goddard since we gate actually hasn't scored a touchdown in that span. Due for some uh touchdown positive regression here for Dallas Goddard, and it's a matchup against the Jets. I mean, for God's sake, the Jets are like bottom barrel in almost every defensive category since the middle of the season. Uh, this is a great spot for Dallas Goddard to finally get right.
1: Yeah, and we, we might get a little bit of a roster discount on all the Eagles with Hurts dealing with that ankle this week, but it does sound like he's, he's ready to go. Um, teams are throwing at the eighth highest rate in neutral game script against the Jets. So I, I think even though they have been insanely run heavy and Jalen Hurts has had some struggles through the air of late, I, I think he has, um, him and this whole passing offense have a, a lot of ceiling potential against New York.
0: Pretty unbelievable that we all got so gassed up about Dallas Goddard. And the volume's been there since the Zach Ertz trade. He just hasn't scored a touchdown since week four. Um, Yeah, yeah. I think think it's coming. I think it's coming, too. Yeah, I definitely think it's coming. So at $16, he feels pretty good to me. Uh, Let's talk defenses. You've got a minimum salary defense here.
1: Chargers all the way at $10. As I talked about with, with Herbert, uh, this one is expected to shoot out. So there there is a lot of GPP leverage opportunity where people are going to be looking to roster both of these offenses. And one thing about, fantasy defenses is in high-scoring games there's actually sneaky upside so you don't need the shoot you don't need the the shutouts um to score a lot of fantasy points actually when teams are dropping back and throwing a lot that's more opportunity for the defense to get sacks pressures fumbles The chargers top 10 in pressure rate cincinnati bottom 10 in football outsiders adjusted sack rate allowed burrow has the fifth highest interception rate in the league and he has thrown a couple of pick sixes which isn't predictable but uh it means he's thrown some some pretty bad balls to be able to take it back to the house.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um I, it's like like you said all you need is a few sacks, a few turnovers. I think those are quite possible even if this game is extremely um high scoring. I really like the Miami Dolphins. I can't believe they're only 14 uh yeah. dollars. Like that seems pretty surprising to me. The Dolphins defense actually has been legit good over the last like you know, since week eight, they're sixth in dropback success rate allowed. Like they've been pretty good, actually, as a full blown defense. But I mean, Danny Dimes potentially playing banged up, Mike yeah. Glennon maybe yeah. starting. Yeah, I'll I'll take my chances here.
1: Yeah, Miami just they they just selling out to get pressure on uh, quarterbacks lately, and it's it's been paying huge dividends. Off obviously that huge game last week, so they will be very popular, but uh, a tremendous spot against the Giants.
0: Yeah, they're they're gonna be popular because they're fourteen dollars. Like it's yep. still it's a great matchup. They're a legit good defense. Um, and it just is some of the early season, I think, slump that's keeping them down there at 14. Uh let's talk flexes here. You've got Marquise Brown at twenty four.
1: And and I put a wide receiver on purpose this week because one thing one of the things I was gonna mention early in the pod when you asked me about some of the big overviews. With all of the values at running back, I think we'll see an overwhelmingly high percentage of rosters using a three running back build. So by having a four wide receiver, two running back build, I think you're going to have some uniqueness just from that alone. And then we've already talked about quite a few times how, why we think this game has sneaky scoring upside pittsburgh bottom 10 and schedule adjusted points allowed to both quarterbacks and wide receivers marquise brown really popped this week in four for four's breakout model uh sub 10 uh, yahoo points in his last two games but his last four games targets of 14 12 13 and 10 since week seven the most air yards per game among any player with 145 we're gonna get Mar- I th- marquise brown might be in five percent of lineups Mm. maybe if lamar jackson gets popular it might get brown up to like close to 10 but i think you're getting a single digit roster rate and marquise brown has legit wide receiver one upside this week overall wide receiver one upside
0: yes no i'm with you i think he has tremendous upside this week he's a guy I'm, i'm really excited about as well i think that's a great call um from the fish perspective here playing three running backs this week, I'll give Antonio Gibson as the, uh, as the other value guy of the sleeve $21. The guy leads the NFL, the national football league, the one we talk about a lot with 72 carries. (laughs) over the last three weeks coming off the bye week it's nice that you can kind of point to like something there to be like this is what like a change occurred in this moment also they're getting healthier as an offense um he's also nine for nine in terms of targets to catches jd mckissick will see on his status for this game but yeah i mean gibson just against the raiders give me a break
1: yeah and and i mean the those running backs, I mean, they're going to be popular because they're they're tremendous values. You just have to be really cognizant if you're using any combination of the three running backs you mentioned, just really making it a point to have some players that are really going to balance out that that roster yeah. rate. Like you're if you're playing any two of those three, probably going to need you don't always need a sub five percent guy, but in that kind of build, I think you probably do.
0: Yes, and um, if you're playing like a small field, you know, contest or something like that, I think it makes a little more sense to like you. can there's just all such good plays, everything like that. And we feel like we've given a lot of good like five five percenters, like guys that would be low roster rate, everything like that. If we had to say between the three guys that we've talked about as big running back values, Madison Williams Gibson, um, who do you think is the riskiest of the three?
1: I think. Williams is the riskiest. I think you're going to get the most cheapest. Also the cheapest. I think you're going to get the most um, tournament winning potential from playing the Washington passing game or if Josh Jacobs is active without Antonio Gibson, just because it's just going to be such a big flip on what the expectation of the game is. Um if if like a Heineke stack with Jacobs goes off and Gibson doesn't find the end zone, you're lapping the field. So I, I think you're Williams is the riskiest. I think you get the most leverage from playing Washington players and not Gibson.
0: I think that makes a lot of sense. And Gibson, Gibson I do think it, like in terms of roster rate, I might say he might be the third of these guys just because he has burned people so so often this I th- year. I
1: yeah. You think I he's? Think, you
0: think he'd be the most?
1: No, I I think with I think with Madison being eighteen, he'll be the most popular. Yeah, oh, but for I, sure, but for I, but, sure. But I think he's the one that I want to play the most as well. Like I'd rather just take just eat the chalk on Madison.
0: Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Williams always will have the lion's stink on him, which is yes, justifiable by the way. Yeah. Um, fade guys, let's give a couple here. Uh, you have a player that you did the little dot dot I, dot dot dot. I,
1: I couldn't even say his whole name cuz I was scared to say it in Nor public. Should you. disrespectful.
0: Tom, Tom
1: Tom has a documentary coming out and he's fantastic and we don't want to not play him, but Tom Brady, I mean, we, we saw it last week. The, the thing about this offense is there are a lot of different ways that they can score, and they're always going to, um, and, and like we've talked about, they're, they're going to have weeks where Fournette can really take over, and the likelihood of Fournette having four touchdowns two weeks in a row is very unlikely, but uh, the, the likelihood of... Fournette having two and Brady Having two and them kicking a field goal and Having 31 points and like if Brady Just gets you two touchdowns he's Not winning you tournaments At $42 and that's really The point of fading Tom yeah. Brady is I, As we've mentioned throughout this pod With all of these running back values Available I think people are going To look like oh I could easily afford Tom Brady With whatever pass catcher I want But to pay off that 42 And to roster him with Mike Evans Or Godwin like you basically need to hit perfect and him get all of the touchdowns and that's why like he's not like a he's obviously not a bad play the buccaneers are, are are great plays but at the same time more than half of his games this year six of his 11 games he has two or fewer touchdowns if we look at his last few games Yards per attempt, 6.5, 6.7 to 6.6 since the buy, which is very low. And then two weeks before the buy, yards per attempt of just 5.9 yards. Fournette's usage is through the roof. And like we mentioned when I when I talked about him, we're not even chasing touchdowns with him. We're chasing usage. So if we're going to like think that we're gonna flip the build by paying all the way up, I would rather do it with like play Jonathan Taylor with one of the value running backs and a receiver, I think that's how you're really going to get unique. A lot of people are going to play value running backs and whether it's Tom Brady or Lamar or another running uh, quarterback that's above 30 with relatively pricey pass catchers, it's going to kind of look the same. You're not really going to be flipping the build with a $42 Tom Brady where you really can do it with Jonathan Taylor. So it's more of really a a theory fade. It's not a fade the Buccaneers, but I I think there's lots of ways where Brady isn't a tournament winning option.
0: Yeah, you kind of need him to go nuclear. at. You need him to hit perfect. Yeah, yeah especially if you're going to stack up with the pass catcher, uh, that definitely brings that into play as well. I mean, the, obviously it's like, are, are they really going to need, is, are they going to need Tom Brady to go nuclear to beat the, the freaking Falcons? Right. Right. Exactly. I don't know about that. Also. I mean, they could beat him by him going nuclear, but this is a whole other discussion there. The Rams. uh, I feel like I don't want to play any of the Rams, man. I mean, it's not just recency bias. It's also just from like a salary perspective. You mentioned Beckham, like Beckham's tempting, but if he's on the injury report with this hip thing, I don't know about that. Uh, That brings you to Daryl Henderson. Oh, also on the injury report, like he's – they say that he's going to play. They say they're going to monitor him all week. I don't know. You know, that could easily be a questionable situation. I'm, I'm not—I'm done playing Tyler Higbee. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done playing Tyler Higbee with that one. Um, Obviously, Van Jefferson, not too bad. And that brings us to Cooper Cup too. $38 for Cooper Cup, man. I mean, look, it was a hell of a ride. I'm not saying that it's over, over, but – I think Cooper Cup. We might see most of his floor, which, by the way, is like ninety plus yards. Set it and forget it. Yeah. But we with Beckham, you know, if Beckham's in the fold, I guess you could say if you if you bet that Beckham is going to be, which I'm just, I think that's a tough thing to bet on. But if you bet he's going to be banged up and in and out of the game or something. Then maybe you're you are on Cooper Cup in that sense, but like they're they got a great matchup against the Jags, all that stuff. the Jaguars have allowed that they're they ranked 27th in passes allowed this year. Like they've not been a team that you had to do much against. So I don't know. It's just a tough team to project this week. I'd rather give it another week and see how I feel about them before playing them again.
1: So I. I think I agree with you in in the respect that I don't think you need to stack the Rams this week because I think there are a lot of stacking options. Um, We have seen, obviously, Stafford struggling, and you mentioned uh, Daryl Henderson injury. We also don't know, like, sure, Odell saw 10 targets, and and most of his yardage and, and points come on one play. So, like, is Odell going to consistently get 10 targets? Like It's really easy to see that in his first game and say, oh, that's what the offense is. That's what what he's going to do. We also have this really big sample of Odell not being the Odell of old. Um, My contention with this point is we have to spend our salary somewhere, like we've said, and when I'm thinking about who or where I want to pay up in salary, it's where can I gain the biggest positional advantage on the field. Cooper cup is the only wide receiver four for four has projected for at least 20 Yahoo points. No other wide receiver projects for at least 15. We don't have Tyreek Debo or Devante on the slate. So the way I kind of look at it is like, I think Cooper cup's still going to be popular because of all the value we have at running back. But I think he is the player where he can really lap the field at his position. Uh, Even with like Jonathan Taylor and and the guys like Madison, we have so many running backs in good spots this week that no one really projects head and shoulders above the field, same at tight end, same at quarterback. So it kind of brings me back to like, where am I going to get the biggest positional advantage? If, Odell is either limited or is just isn't that 10 target guy that we saw for one game, like cups still, there's still a chance cup reverts back to a 14 target guy, Um, yeah. at least for, for one game against the Jaguars. So I actually think that we know cup has like a go nuclear range of outcomes really more than any receiver we've seen this year. So Especially I on think, this slate. I, yeah. You know. So I actually think I'm like taking a, a really big stand on, on an expensive and pos- possibly popular cup where I just usually don't do that with pass catchers.
0: Well, all right, fine. I'll take the L on this one. Uh, <laughs> <We,
1: hey>, ha- <laughs> Game still got to play, man.
0: I mean, I'll take, I'll just take the L on the, po- on the theory part of it. Um, I'm just being a coward. I, I agree.
1: I I agree, I agree that I don't love stacking them, but I, I, I think I'm pre- taking a, a pretty big stance on cup this week.
0: All right, I'd love to see it. That would be good. Oh, let me tell you what, that would be good for a lot of like my season long teams. So all right, let's that go. would now be nice. Let's go. <laughs> Dan, we're in business there. All right. Uh TJ, great show this week. Tell all the people if they found this show via the Yahoo feed all about yes. DFS MVP.
1: DFS MVP, if you're listening to this when it dropped on Saturday, check out our GPP last look show Sunday mornings, 11 a.m. Eastern time on our subscriber only discord every Monday. Also do a cash game review on our YouTube channel and every Friday do a full overview of DFS across the industry that
0: drops on both podcast and YouTube feeds. Boom. And if you found this via the DFS MVP feed, please check out the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. That is our podcast. I am on two days a week. Not next week. uh, Just with TJ again uh, next week. But usually on two shows a week. But always with Liz Loza on Sunday. We tape on Sunday night. So uh, you get it first thing Monday morning, our weekly recap show. So make sure to give that a listen and subscribe wherever you get your little podcast there. All right. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB on Twitter. That's at TJ Hernandez. Check us all out at Yahoo fantasy. We are out. Look around. You can find cars like these on auto trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too.